Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. In the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32, I will probably talk about a subject that I've spoken about a few times through the years. And, um, but I'm thankful that the Lord has afforded me the privilege to do that. As a matter of fact, this evening marks 28 years to the very day that Sister Boyd and I were able and privileged to preach our very first message here as the pastor of the church. And so I want to not say, I'm not trying to say inadvertently happy anniversary to us. I'm trying to say thank you to you. Amen. And we appreciate the investment that you have made back into our lives and um, we are, I hope, what we are tonight. I hope it's, that's an improvement from 28 years ago. And uh, we are that because you have invested back into us and to help us. And we appreciate that. I want to thank you for 28 years of loving my family. Amen. And uh, you love my wife and you love my, our son. And then when uh, he and Sarah started holding hands, you, you loved her and... and uh, just loved her the same, and we appreciate that, and they're still holding hands, and uh, amen, we appreciate your love and your your uh, respect, and we just want to say thank from our heart, God bless you, it seems surreal, it really, it really does, doesn't seem like it could have been that long ago, nevertheless, the book of First Chronicles chapter 12 and verse number 32, the Bible says, and of the children of Issachar which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Um, it may be kind of evident where I'm going with this, but the children of Issachar were men that had understanding of the times and to know what Israel ought to do. There's something about knowing what time it is that helps us to understand or at least underline the task at hand and how imperative that it is that we, uh, that we get a hold of that. I want to just speak for a little while about understanding the times. Amen. I love you today, God, and I thank you for the privilege that you have certainly given us to be here one more time. And I ask you, God, tonight to let the authority of the Holy Ghost through your word just speak with great clarity tonight. I pray your blessings, your anointing, your authority, and your presence, God, to just penetrate, pierce our heart and our mind. Help us to push past anything that we may need to push past in order, Lord, to let your spirit and your word reign preeminent in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the Lord bless you tonight. I want to say, as you're seated, I want to say thank you for uh, being here. And uh, no matter what you had to go through, I mean this, I've said it often, but no matter what you had to go through, God will bless the time that we're here. If it took you longer to get dressed and drive here, accumulative, if 
you spent more road on the more time on the road than you spent in the house of God, don't just look at it on your clock and on your calendar. Amen. There's something heavenly and eternal that has taken place here that you can't measure that. You can't put that in the bracket of time. Amen. But God can and will do something supernatural through our lives. And I know that not because I'm speaking, but because of where I'm speaking from. Amen. The holy word of God. And um, there has always been a need for someone to have an understanding of the times where we are. I think all of us can admit perhaps more than once that in our life time has gotten away from us or time has slipped up on us. Maybe we had a certain time we needed to leave the house and we were uh, we were ready and dressed way ahead of time and and maybe we just sat down to drink a cup of coffee or read a book and before you know it, it seemed like we had a lot of time on our hands and then before you know it, well, hey, we better start moving around here because uh, despite our best preparations, despite being ahead of the clock a moment ago, it seems like now time has just slipped up on us. That happens to all of us. We can, uh, I think, it, it readily admit to that, and, and certainly if that can happen on a small scale, it can happen on a large scale. Time. Time is just walking us down. It just doesn't seem possible. I mentioned the, uh, the time of being here. It doesn't seem possible that that could be 28 years, but time has just marched on. And, and so while we were sleeping and while we were busying ourselves here and there, time was marching on. And um, let's see, this year, uh, this year in, in the month of May, I will be 55 years old. And, and uh, if the next 55 goes as fast as the last 55 has gone, <laughs> amen. Stop doing the math there. Stop doing the math. If, if, if the next space of time goes as fast as the last space of time, it stands to reason that the clock is running out. The calendar pages are getting thinner and thinner and so we must be about our Father's business. We have got to do what we're going to do. We have to, the scripture says we have to work while it is day. For night cometh when no man can work. It doesn't matter how hot the noon sun may be. We understand that in just a matter of moments it is, it is on its way to be set. And so I ask the Lord to help us Help us today. Help me. Let me start here and help me. I realize that most of us can look around and see signs of the times all, all around us, regardless of how much we may feel like we do or do not know about the book of Revelation or the end time. I think we can certainly agree that as we look around us, we can see signs of the end time everywhere. But it's not enough that we see the signs of where we are but it is imperative that we know what we need to do about it. The sons of Issachar didn't just know what time it was. They didn't just have an understanding of the time, but they also had an understanding of what Israel should do. And so I pray that God would give us that double barrel, that we will not just be aware of the time, but let there be a sensitivity to the spirit of God and a boldness, a courage, and a spirit of obedience to understand what kind of action we need to take in our own lives. I'm thankful to be alive today. I'm glad that God allowed me to be born and to be living in 2017. I'm, I'm very serious when I think about all the wonderful things that I've been able to experience and see 
Uh, I'm talking about as far as the church is concerned, I'm thankful for the natural things in life I've been able to experience. But when I think about what I have been able to live and behold with my own eyes and see what God has done in the, in the age and in, in the church, I'm thankful to be alive in 2017. I, uh, I enjoy technology and so I'm thankful that I was around when uh, technology began to computers and things of that nature become on the scene. I enjoy that. I'm glad that I didn't miss that. I don't know as much as some sitting here tonight, but I'm thankful for the knowledge that I do have of that. I think sometimes it's a little whimsical to think about living in another period of time and I know there are people that uh, are heavily involved in reenactments of certain uh, periods of time and and uh, there's nothing wrong with that and, and but beyond that it can be somewhat whimsical to think about I wonder what if it would it would have been like if we had been in the Bible days anybody ever thought about that and <laughs> certainly we do and uh, and it, it may be a neat thought but perhaps not not practical there are a lot of people that that uh, criticize the day in which we live certainly uh, that condemn our day because of the decaying society all around us and the declining level of morality and it's no secret that in in um, most places it's very unsafe to be in on the streets at night or even sometimes in the day violence is only on the increase it doesn't seem to be rapidly declining anywhere sadly today public corruption is just assumed Amen. We're not shocked by we're not shocked by that. Integrity seems to be a scarce commodity that's just, just rare that you run across somebody that just wants to do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing. That integrity would just kind of be at the at the center point. The news, uh, wherever you get your source of news from, confirms the reality that our society is in real trouble. We are in real trouble. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And so not only are we experiencing an increase in violence and crime, we're also experiencing today an almost total abandonment of moral integrity. Just everywhere you look, it's, it's alarming, or it should be alarming at the decline and the degradation of just moral integrity. As a nation, we have just slowly been adrift uh, for many decades now, and uh, just shifting our view of life in general. I'm talking about as a nation. Uh, it has shifted from a nation being somewhat fundamentally, at least based on biblical foundations, until today it just seems as though we are, uh, our attention and all of our uh, effort and energy is not at all on the word of God, but it is all about fulfillment of self, just self-gratification, whatever we can do, that men would be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We are there, friend. We're not getting there. We're not encroaching upon this time, but we are downtown. We are absolutely downtown. We're living in an age that not only do people disregard others that are attempting to live for God, but they also criticize and ridicule and, and uh, ridicule the word of God and try to chip away at the very foundation of God's word. These are the things that characterize where we are. This is where we are. Amen. They pose, I think, a definite challenge for the church. But I want you to understand tonight, I didn't come to paint our world gray. I've come to tell you that, that in the darkest of hours, in the darkest of night, the light of the gospel is shining brighter today. Amen. Than ever before. And I'm thankful for that. I am, I am 
I am truly, truly thankful for that. If there was ever a time, however, to be spiritually alert and our senses to be as raw as they possibly can spiritually, it is the day in which we're living now. I want to be sensitive to the spirit and the presence of God. I want to be sensitive to what God is doing at any given moment. At any given moment, I want to be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord. I was, uh, we were together with some friends and uh, some of you know uh, an evangelist, Brother Victor Jackson, and uh, he was sharing a story about he and Brother Jason Varnum. Uh, they were in line at a fast food restaurant and uh, and so they were having to, they pulled ahead. They, their food wasn't ready, so they told them to pull ahead just a little bit, so they pulled ahead and so while they were just sitting there in their car waiting, the window was still down, uh, Brother Jackson told Brother uh, Jason Varnum a, a joke of some sort and, and uh, a clean, good, clean Christian evangelist pastor joke there. And, uh, and uh, there was a, a, a rather rough couple, uh, rough-looking guy and his wife or girlfriend or whatever, and they were getting out of their car. They were kind of oblivious that this was even going on. And about the time they walked in front of their car, uh, Brother Jackson got to the punchline of the joke, and they just burst into laughter. And this man thought that he was laughing at his wife. And so he was leaning over. I mean, he was in leaning over into the car. I mean, he was just he was just really ready to just get. <laughs> get things going, you know, and Brother uh, Jackson said he even had on his wife beat her t-shirt, you know. <laughs> and uh, it was a frightening moment, and, 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 and uh, Brother, uh, Brother Varnum was telling us about this. Of course, they were laughing. That was kind of funny now after the fact. And, and so when that man was just, I mean, he's just foaming at the mouth. He's just ready for them to, to pull out of the car right then and just work it out there in the parking lot. And Brother Jackson just started ministering to the man. And he just started reading his mail. I mean, he was sensitive to the spirit of the Lord and what was causing the cause, the root cause of that anger. And I won't get into all that, but when he started ministering to that man, not only did he quiet down, he started crying. <laughs> and they, they had prayer meeting right there. And that was, it went from a, almost a fist fight to a prayer meeting I want to. I want to be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord. What a great time to be sensitive to the spirit of the Lord. I was just trying to put myself in that equation. I was just wondering if I could have pulled that off. <laughs> I'm just keeping it real. I'm just. I'm just being real with you. But I want to be alert to the hour that we are living in. The spirit of the Lord wanted to minister to that man, and thank God somebody was sensitive enough to His spirit. Amen, I think I have your undivided attention now. Understanding the time, it was time to witness. It was time to minister to that man. The book of Romans chapter 13, I want you to uh, turn our attention there for just a, a little while. In Romans 13, 11, the Bible says then that knowing the time, that it, now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. And so the first challenge I think of our times is found in this exhortation to wake up, amen, to know the time. It's high time to awake out of our sleep. David, uh, the psalmist David said, enlighten mine eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. There is a spirit of lethargy in our day that is not 
unlike other times or un, other seasons. And, and I think of one of the, uh, the last, as a matter of fact, I believe the last giant that had to be defeated before uh, they took possession of Canaan was the king of Og. And the only thing that we know about the king of Og is the size of his bed. <laughs> Amen. That's all we know. And so I'm not trying to pull this out of context, but I just think that, that, uh, that we just think about the bed and rest and slumber. And so if I could just draw that analogy that, that maybe one of the last battles that we are in is this spirit of lethargy that, that just kind of lulls us to sleep. It is, it is in, very imperative that we stay awake and that we do whatever it takes to wake up. There's a good reason that Paul was saying that to uh, the church in Rome and there's an equally good reason for us to restate that again this evening and I believe that we are in that sort of battle that where it is so easy to be lulled to sleep spiritually against them. It really doesn't matter what kind of service we had yesterday or the day before, the day before, but there's a spirit of slumber that can attack us again and again and again. And so I need to, I need to know what time it is. I have a habit uh, that during the night, anytime I wake up, I just check the time. I don't know why. I don't really know why, but I just kind of want to know. I just want to know what time it is. I want to know how much, I guess, much time left I have in the night. Amen. But that's a question that we need to ask ourselves. We need to push the button and see what time is it. What, just exactly what time. Not what time do I think it is. What time does it feel like? But I want to know exactly what time it is. The words of Romans 13 and 11 indicate that we need to know what time it is. It's very frustrating when you're dealing with people that have no concept of time. I deal with people from time to time that are not just a few minutes late, but they may be hours late or they may not show up at all. And I just wonder, how do you get by? I mean, how do you how do you do this day in day out? How do you pull this off in the world that we live in? But you know what? It seems like in many ways they're a lot more relaxed than I am. So I don't know about all that, but I don't want to buy into that. Amen. What time? What time is it? What time is it that Paul is referring to? I think it should seem clear to us that Paul is referring to the the time of the end. We need to know where we are in this journey called life. We need to know where we are in the church age. We need to understand he's referring to the time that Jesus is gonna come to gather the church again. And so although the scripture, of course, is abundantly clear that we do not know the time, the date or the hour, so to speak, of his return, amen, we don't know exactly when the Lord is gonna return, but we do know a lot of things about that return. And so with our eye, Fixed on the things around us, we realize, amen, that the Lord could come at any moment. Amen, am I right, church? The Lord could come at any moment. We don't know the exact day or the hour, but, but we understand that we would not be surprised if the Lord should come. Paul said in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 4, but brethren, uh, but be ye brethren, 
are not in darkness that that the day should overtake you as a thief. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. We are not dumb. We are not blind. We are not ignorant to where we are in time. We ought to be able to discern and sense from the things going on about us that time is slipping through our hands like sands in an hourglass. And so, Lord, help us as a church to not think, well, it's just Wednesday and... and uh, and just kind of yawn and make our way uh, to the house of God, but we need to come in realizing, amen, this could be the very last service that we ever have together before the Lord calls the church home. Amen, I say, Lord, help us to be ready. Should the trumpet sound, I want to know what time it is. We should be able to look around us and realize that we are truly living in the last hour. Amen, what are some of the evidence that we're living in the last days? I think Matthew 24, Jesus revealed to his disciples some of the signs of the times. Among those things, he mentioned that there would be a rise of false prophets and wars and rumors of wars. He, he talked about the increase of famine, the increase of earthquakes. He mentions the increased persecution of Christians and, and the rise of false doctrine and false prophets. And so I say, Lord, help us to look around us today and realize you won't have to travel very far to find any of these things. They are about us everywhere. In verse 12 of chapter 24, he said, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That sounds so much like today, a cold and indifferent to society. Again, in 2 Timothy chapter three, we have a picture of the end times. Paul writes to young Timothy, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their, of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having the form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Paul said, from such turn away. In the last days, this is what you are going to find. I believe what Paul is saying here is you're going to find this in a abundance. He's not talking about this just here and there, and but I believe there is an abundance of that. And we look around us today and we certainly see that. As I've already stated, we have seen the signs and are seeing the signs prophesied in scripture that are coming to pass at an alarming rate. And so it should be apparent to any discerning child of God that Jesus' return is closer than it has ever been. Amen. Closer than it has ever been. I know that may sound like a given tonight, but I believe it's closer than we think. I believe it is closer than we dare imagine. And if we could really, if for just a moment, in, in a, just a split second, if God could help us see how short, short the journey is from here to there, I believe there would be a fire lit in us like never before. I, let me just say this. I believe there would be a fire lit in me like never before. I believe there would be, a, there would be a, a, something compelling, something driving that we must give it all. We have to understand the times. And so if Paul is saying this, then how much closer do you think we would be now from when Paul pins these words? The Bible says that our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. 
I think the key to understanding this statement is to understand what the scripture is speaking about when it speaks about salvation here. What he is saying here is that the fullness of our salvation or the completion of our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. You see, salvation is a process. It begins when we are born again. Amen. There is a past tense, so to speak, to our salvation, and that's called justification. Amen, that we have been justified from the person that we had been before. We have been justified, redeemed, pulled out from that world, our sins forgiven. In justification, we receive the deliverance from the penalty of sin. Or in other words, we are made right with God. Man, now in right standing with God. But there is also a present. There is a today about our salvation. Amen, and that is a process of sanctification. And I believe that sanctification is a process. Amen, it's a process by which we are continually being set apart by the presence of God. Amen, I'm talking about and preaching to people tonight that I believe for the most part, amen, are trying to get closer to the Lord than you have ever been. More diligent about your walk with God perhaps than you have ever been. You are trying to get away from the old person that you have been and to become more like God. God is by his spirit and his word and the process of time is sanctifying us, delivering us from the power of sin. But there is also a future to our salvation and that is glorification one day the Bible said in the twinkling of an eye amen we are going to be marvelously changed in a moment of time amen we are we are going to lose the weight of this human flesh and we are going to lose the pull of this and we are going to be glorified in glorification we are going to receive deliverance from this very present world of sin I'm thankful that I've been justified I'm glad that the Lord is sanctifying me even in this holy house tonight but aren't you looking forward to the day and that moment that twinkling of an eye when we will be like him I want to understand the time understand the time so what the great apostle Paul is saying is that the completion of our salvation the glorification is nearer than the day than we first believed I think the message is crystal clear the hour is late Jesus could come at any time. I think no no doubt the age that we're living in presents us with a challenge. Amen. The Lord could come at any moment and so I must be ready for him to come. I must be ready for him to come. Romans 13 and 12, the Bible says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Notice that last phrasing there. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. At this particular juncture, the night far spent, the day is at hand. And because the night is spent and because the day is at hand, amen, there are some things that are required of us. When he talks about the night being far spent, he's speaking the night of Christ's absence from us. Amen. The night of his absence is almost over. The day of his coming again is closer than ever before. And so the picture that Paul paints here pretty clearly is a picture of an early morning sunrise. It's still dark, but you begin to see just little glimmers of sun, a little bit of light coming through, shining through. 
I love, I love watching the sunrise. I love, there's just something about the early morning hours. I love to watch the darkness turn today. Amen. The world, the earth just seems to wake up. You hear the birds singing. You just, life is just eking, peeking through. I enjoy that. Little by little, the darkness of night is pushed back by the power of a new day. It's the announcement of a new day. It's time to get prepared for the events of that day. And so if we are to live in the light of this coming Christ, then we have to be aware of the danger around us. I will say this tonight, and I mean it from my heart, that as the devil as times run, as the devil's time runs out, he is working overtime. Amen. I promise you this. He knows what time it is. Amen. He knows that he's running out of time. And so he's working overtime to discourage and to, and to, and to sow discord and to separate and do everything that he can to weary the saints of God. But I say to the church, let us rise in this hour. Amen. Let us shake off the works of darkness and the spirit of this age. Amen. The enemy is seeking to deceive, to destroy everybody that he possibly can. And so I gotta be aware of that and I've got to put my armor on. And verse 12 underlines the fact that there is something not only to take off, but there is something to put on. Amen, we are to put off those things that are associated with darkness. Amen, he said the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let's cast off the works of darkness and let's put on the armor of light. And so I've got to take some things off and I've got to put some things on. And so the church can't be in neutral. We can't just be coasting down the hill, amen, and think we're gonna get it all done. But I gotta be casting off the things of darkness and putting on the things that God would have me to do. There's some things I need to forsake. There's some things that I need to put behind me. There's some things that I need to get the victory over. And let me say it one more time, amen, those things that we refer to as besetting sins, those things that are just chronically present in our life. We need to stop praying and asking God for it to forgive us and ask God to deliver us. Amen, I don't wanna just walk a path and beat out a hole in the same old area, in the same old arena, fighting today the same battle I was fighting five years ago. But I say, God, don't just forgive me, but Lord, I'm asking you to deliver me. Why? Because I gotta take off some things of darkness and put on some things of light. Amen, I need to turn my back to sin and put on the armor of God. Put on Christ, be clothed in him. It's only Jesus that's gonna help us stand, church. It'll just be by the power and the grace of God that we stand, so we better put it on. Only he can cause us to come through victorious. The Bible says in Romans 13 and 13, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering wanton and wantonness, and not in strife and envying. But put ye on, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. You can't give your flesh any room, any room. I think this passage is an undeniable call for our behavior to be consistent with the value system of God's word every day. And so I've often said that Wednesday night, our focus many times, much the majority of the time, our goal at least, our focus on Wednesday night is to talk about how to live for God. Amen. 
we need to put our feet on the ground and realize that there are boots on the ground. And we have to work this out day by day by day. I want my life to be consistent with the value system of God's word every day. Amen, to be truthful and honest. And, and so both in a negative and, a, and the positive is revealed in, in these two passages of scripture. And so let's look first at the negative, if we may. There's three categories of sins that are mentioned in these two passages of scripture. The first category has to do with our behavior before the world. The Bible says in Romans 13 and 13, let us walk honestly as in the day. And then there is an emphasis here, not in rioting and drunkenness. Amen. These, have, these deal with sins of personal discipline. Amen. We need to be, have personal discipline in our lives if we're going to be pleasing in the sight of God. These things deal with worldly lifestyles. There needs to be something about us that has some disciplines about us. Amen. The picture here is that Amen, we see a person right here that would just live to have a good time. That kind of sounds like the world that we live in today. Amen, that rioting and that drunkenness. The world rioting is translated also carousing or another word for that is party and partying. And so we see this much in action today around our, in our world. And you know what? There's a lot of people that don't even try to serve God or even try to live for God that believe those things are wrong. Amen. Just good, just good people, not even attempting to serve the Lord. They think you ought not be doing that, that kind of thing. And so it's sad then when people that claim to be filled with the Holy Ghost don't see anything wrong with participating in some things. And there's some people that don't even have the Holy Ghost that's going, man, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go there. Amen. It's shocking. It's shocking how many, how many uh, people there are in our world that that would that are looking to the church for hope. Amen. Let's not let's not stagger now. Amen. Let's not stagger now. The second area of sinful behavior had has to do with uh, more of our private life, and I'll be careful here and navigate through this. But the scripture says, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering or, and wantonness. I think the message is real clear right here. Amen. There, the, sin, the sin of improper and immoral relationships has been around as long as man has been around. But not, God never intended for us to abuse any of this because God made human relationships pure. He sure did. The Bible states that this type of relationship should only be and is only sanctioned within the confines and the area and the arena of marriage. And so outside that relationship, whether it's premarital or extramarital, not only is that morally wrong, but can I tell you tonight that it can be emotionally devastating. God put some walls up on purpose. He knew what he was talking about. God knew full well the cost, the real cost associated with immoral activity when he commanded us to remain morally pure. God knew what he was doing. Amen. And so we need to avoid the path that leads us away from the cross and say, God, help me to be, help me to be determined to do what's right because that is my duty. 
I want to do what's right. It's a command of God, and it's the best thing we can do for God, and it's the best thing that we can do for ourselves. The third category of sinfulness has to do with our relationships with others. And it has to do with a lack of love, and the scripture talks about dissension and jealousy, or he talks about in the scripture, Romans 13 and 13, not in strife and envying. Amen. We can't live for just selfish ambition and just live for self and what we want. Strife and jealousy or strife and envying come from this very selfish spirit of competitiveness that, you know, we just got to be one up on on everything and everybody. And you know what? True love is the exact opposite of all of that. True love, the exact opposite of that. Love seeks the best for one another. Love strives to reach beyond themselves to minister to someone else. Amen. So we need to have that proper, amen, it should be characterized in our life by the love of God. And so instead of striving to stir up, we should be seeking, or tear down rather, we should be seeking to build one another up. Amen. How much power there is when we begin to cultivate the gifts that are in one another. Amen. We are where we are tonight because somebody loved us enough to invest in us. I'm not just talking about dollars and cents, but I mean somebody just put their arm around us and they begin to mold us and shape us and teach us. And, and we, they allowed us in many cases just to watch them live their life from a distance. They, some people didn't tell us how to live as much as they just showed us how to live. They just exampled that before us. And so I'm thankful for all that. And so I don't want to strive to tear down, but I want to strive to lift others up. Amen. And, and understanding that there are certain behaviors and certain things that we should avoid. There's some walls. There's some things that we should build in our life. There's some fences. I've often talked about fences in the yard. You, you, you want to put that fence there. Amen. You want to make sure that you're doing that not to, not to pin your children up, but we're protecting them from the dangers that are beyond that fence. Amen. So there needs to be areas in our life where we just fence ourselves in. And amen. There's a there's a lock on the door for a reason. There's a there's a there's a lock on the gate for a reason. We need to have an appreciation for that. Amen. I want to stay away from situations that entice us to sin. Amen. Most of us know the areas that they're the weak that we're the weakest in. It's all right not to shout here. But most of us know that. And so those are the things. That's where we got to be careful. I need to avoid that. I want to stay away from that. There's no sense in just sitting that on the table there to see if I can withstand that. Amen. I want to make sure that I just put some distance between that. We know those areas of temptations. We know people and situations, circumstances that tend to tempt us to do wrong. The Bible says that we need to avoid them or make no provision for the flesh. Amen. Make no provision. We've got to get out of those sinful situations. Paul said to Timothy, flee. So we've got to run. Get away from those kind of circumstances. Avoid people that would tempt us to do things that are not right and, and surround ourselves with people that just cultivate standing for righteousness. Now I'm gonna say tonight, and I'm closing, but I'm gonna say tonight that, that all of us have people in our lives that when we walk away from them, we feel so much better spiritually. We also have people in our lives that when we walk away from them, we don't feel better spiritually. And we can't divorce ourselves from every little uncomfortable situation in life. I get that. But we need to surround ourselves with people that are that iron sharpening 
iron. Amen. Obviously, my calling in life is the ministry. And so as a consequence of that, I have the most of my friends are preachers or in the ministry and involved in some way. And I, it's just so refreshing. I had, a, I had one of these days yesterday. It's so refreshing to be with someone that when you walk away, you just think, you know what? I just want to be a better person. It just, somebody just set the line. They just, with, without even trying, they just took the marker out and they made the line on the wall just a little bit higher. And I walked away saying, you know what? I want to reach for that. I want to reach for that. I want to be a better person. I want to be that kind of person. And you know what? I wasn't in a seminar. I was in a business meeting yesterday. <laughs> I was in a meeting all day. But just those people that just make you want to be better, just their conversation, their conduct, their attitude, their spirit. Oh, thank you, Lord, for people. That's the kind of people I want to pull around me because I want to make it in the end. Let's stand. Can we do that? Musicians can just stay where you are if you'd like this evening. I've gone a little long here. Amen. We're living, of course, what I think many could deem freely as the last days. And I know that the ready argument on the lips of some tonight could be, you know what, I've heard that all my life. My reply to you would be, so have I. So have I. But I'm not discouraged by that because I'm not deaf and blind. I look around me. As a matter of fact, I look around me today and I marvel how ministers from decades ago could preach hell so hot and they didn't have near the evidence that you and I have today. Amen. It's around us everywhere. And so I don't know when Jesus is gonna come, but I know the one thing, I wanna be ready. Amen. I don't wanna say wait, give me just a moment. Isn't that what we find happening in the Song of Solomon? I mean, give me just a moment. I'll, I'll be right there. Hang on, let me get my shoes on. And by the time they got around to opening the door, the only thing was there was the fragrance of where God had been. Amen. I tell you tonight, I want to open the door and find the bride, not where he's been. Amen. Or find the groom, not where he has been. I can't wait, I can't wait to get ready. And so whether or not the Lord should come for the church today, as it's been said many, many times, that's really not relevant. He could come for me today. And so I need to make my peace call and election sure. And so I want to follow him as closely as I possibly can. I wonder if you'd make an altar right where you stand. And if we could ask the Lord right here, right now, if he would help us to have an understanding of the times. If you're here tonight and you don't have the Holy Ghost or you strayed away from the Lord, you know what? There's not a better time than right now. There's not a better moment than right now. If you're not as close as to, to the Lord as where you have been or where you need to be, do you know that we can make that right? God is not wanting anybody to make hell their home. He's wanting them to make heaven their home. So I'm asking you, Lord, tonight to let the peace and the power of the Holy Ghost, let your word find a resting place in our heart. I pray, God, your anointing will touch us and that you can help us in some way, somehow, in, in all of us, in our lives, ministering to us, God, on our level, you can help us have an understanding of the times to look around us and see where we are. 
I pray your presence and your power to touch us and change us now by the grace and the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name. I want to know what time it is. I want to know what time it is. Amen. Isn't the Lord good to us? What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.